Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and uh, joining me this week, we've got Jake Trapila. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Uh, you know, uh, 50-50 this week. I'm, I'm concerned, though. I don't think I'm going to dive into the other uh, Oscar winners or Oscar nominees from this year. I think, I, I think I'm just putting my foot down immediately. I'm done. Yeah, it's just kind of our, uh, our post-mortem on the uh, Oscar season, you could say. Well, yeah. I mean, you've seen the best. Uh, why bother with the rest? It's true. Exactly. <laughs> uh, also joining us, Adam Myros is here. Uh, hello, Steve. Hello. Uh, pe- people have called you a promising young man. How do you feel about that? Well, I think I'm neither promising nor, nor especially young at this stage, so I, I would question the, the sanity of that sentiment. Yeah. Okay. So so hear me out. We do a, a gender swap reboot, and it's disappointing old man. You like that? See, that's that's pretty accurate at this stage. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. We're, we we've got something here. I'll work on an elevator. I'll just pitch. we could like draft my father to, to chip in for the screenplay. Would be good to go. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm sure he's got plenty to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> your whole family too. Uh, I'll, I'll call up your sisters. It'll be good, man. I got. A, I'm sure they've got a lot of stories to share. Um, also this week, we've got a prestigious guest. Uh, you know her as the editor-in-chief of Film Inquiry. Uh, Chrissy Strauss is here. Chrissy, how you doing? Good. Wow. Prestigious. Prestigious. That's right. Now, that can go one of two ways. Either you, you are a legitimately prestigious guest or just in terms of the quality of guests we typically bring on, you are like <laughs> the upper echelon. So you can, you can pick either way. I'll take it as a compliment either way. <laughs> I don't know. People also call promising young woman prestigious. Uh, oh, that's true. Might want to choose your words better, Steve. <laughs> Potentially prestigious. Oh, potentially prestigious. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Myros, we kinda we kinda gave it away here, but um Sorry. <laughs> this is this is the uh, the podcast where, where we are going to thanks to the, the cries of the masses who were like, hey, you, you didn't cover the 2020 best picture nominees. You covered a different best picture nominees, but not those. How dare you? And to which we say, uh, yeah, well, fuck you. It's probably not going to happen, but we are going to cover at least one of them. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, Promising Young Woman is a movie that was nominated for 8 million Oscars and beloved by the masses. Um, And maybe I'm a bad person, but I think it's a colossal pile of shit. Christy, can you vindicate me here, please? I don't know. I'm going to say it's a colossal pile of shit, but um, (laughs) I was definitely very disappointed in this film when I watched it. I'll describe why as we go on, but I think that's a little harsh, but. You know, right. it's not good. We got we got to play into the hyperbole for the audience. They like it. We get okay. riled up. This is, oh, it's this a is huge pile of shit. It's it's a, see, it's it's a work. It's a big work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, OK, so for real here, I, I think part of it for me was like my expectations going in. I assumed it was like a, kind of a, a, a twist on a typical rape revenge movie. And. The problem that I have going into this was I realized about five to ten minutes in, 
that this is not a revenge movie at all. Um, nor does it have the progressive message that I, that it seems to think that it has. So if you haven't seen it yet, I mean, I guess put your spoiler earmuffs on or listen to a different podcast. This one's not for you. But the core of this movie, like literally the bulk of the running time, is our main character, whose friend was assaulted and, and later committed suicide. And as a result... She goes out to bars, she pretends to be uh, a drunk, even though she's stone-cold sober. Men take her home, and then when they try to take advantage of her, she says, Hey, buddy, don't do that. Gives them a stern talking to, and then leaves. While <laughs> doing absolutely nothing, as far as I can tell, to either fuck shit up, or uh, maybe make any sort of like meaningful impact and change, despite numerous occasions <laughs> where she has the ability to. Um, I, I just, I, I just feel like I'm completely missing something here. And I, and I tried, I tried my very best to get on the wavelength for this, and I realized that you know catharsis for this type of stuff can come in different ways and different forms. And I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. For me personally, I love uh, Stars Are Blind by Paris Hilton, the song, so I figured that would be my way. Even that can't save it. Yeah, see, that's where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say the bulk of the runtime was, was some sort of Bo Burnham rom-com. <laughs> it is a Bo Burnham rom-com, too. When, <laughs> I, I was saying, it's, it's an even split 50-50 between <laughs> Bo Burnham rom-com and uh, not killing men. <laughs> so that's what you got. It's a thriller without thrills, folks. We love it. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what 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 am I missing here, Jake? Yeah, it's it's funny because I mean, yeah, you could say steaming pile of shit, but like, I was just so massively underwhelmed by this movie. Like, I, I don't, I do not know what the the masses that raved about it at Sundance and the ninety percent or whatever it has on Rotten Tomatoes like seeing this. I don't know how anyone could walk away thinking, oh my god, this was. This was satisfying. This was the film that we need. The the Me Too era rape revenge film. We have a voice, a new voice in the director. And I just, I, I was just so massively let down. And then the ending happens. And then I was just angry that I, that I kind of watched it. It's, it's really, it's just such a bizarre, inconsequential movie to me. Uh, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I genuinely cannot grasp what people see in this movie. Yeah, I got a theory. I, I feel like this reminds me a lot, not necessarily tonally, but the composition. I feel like it's of the same sort of school as our old friend Ari Aster, where the thing is just very obsessed with composing frames mm -hmm. and a lot less uh, concerned with, uh, you know, executing uh, themes, uh, having any sort of actual coherent thesis, because... Uh, I don't know. I, I almost, I, I also tried quite hard. I, I only watched it just yesterday and I was like, okay, I could see how this could work in a different light. It doesn't read as any sort of prestige film of the year or anything like that. But maybe if this was like, you slap a Bloomhouse label on it and uh, play up some of the B-movie energy it has at times and, and you might have something that could be enjoyable. But then... Uh, again, we'll get into it. The, the 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 conclusion hits, and I said, "Wait, what? 
what, what what the fuck's the point of any of this? What what were we trying to say? What what is what is going on? But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to monopolize time. So, uh, Christy, what do you think? Yeah, so I was really looking forward to this film because obviously everybody is you know constantly loving it for some reason. But when I watched it, I was just really really disappointed. I really gave it a shot too for for a while, and I was enjoying it at first, um, but. I just, you know, there's something about it. It just doesn't make me feel good. You know, I mean, there's just, it's just kind of a miserable movie in every sense. And it undermines its own message by the end. And it, it just makes it kind of feel empty. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel empowering. I, I feel like what it was going for gets lost. And there's definitely things I like about it, but just overall, I don't know when that horrible ending too, but when the ending came, it just, I don't know. I, I would say I left the theater, but I would, it wasn't in a theater, but I left it feeling um, like just, ugh, I don't know, kind of made me feel miserable. I just didn't enjoy it. And the fact that it's, I don't know, like the movie we need right now, uh, I think Jake said that, there's just something about that. I just, it doesn't leave a good taste. I don't like it. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you there because I, I don't know. It, it really does. Like, that's the key to it is it completely undermines its its thesis. And I think a big part of that is... Emerald Fennell seems to have this extreme aversion to like most displays of violence. Um, it doesn't seem interested in showing it, which is fine. I mean, that's an approach you can take. And I'm not asking this movie to be Last House on the Left or something, okay? Um, but because uh, Carrie Mulligan's character doesn't enact any violence against these men. That she, you know, she's trying to get retribution or you know work through some shit, whatever she's doing. Um, we we find out that the only violence that is like actually shown to us or given to us or we see the effects of is the violence that happens to, to Carrie Mulligan. Basically, like her friend is killed, she's deeply scarred by that experience to the point where she can barely function, and then by the end. You know, uh, again, the shitty ending. She's the one who dies. Uh, You know, for the first time, she actually she pulls out a knife and she's going to carve Nina, her friend's name, into uh, the the guy's chest who assaulted her. And then she ends up getting smothered. And the only violence that we're shown in the like woman empowerment movie, the hashtag girl boss special is we watch Carrie Mulligan get smothered under a pillow for 90 seconds. Just just watching it. Just watching it. Which I feel like, I mean, that that's the sort of thing you could pull off with a different tone. It, it's something you might see in a particularly nasty Grindhouse film. But mm-hmm. the way this is framed in the conclusion is more like her intent was to get killed. Like, she, the only way that she could capture agency was through death. And yeah. I don't know, there's this deep sort of helplessness and cynicism that this movie seems interested in exploring but to couch it in this ending it, it just doesn't work for me and i'm not even talking about the fact that the protagonist is, is killed in particularly unpleasant fashion i'm more talking about the very end with these emoji the emoji ending uh it's just kind of like <laughs> what, what are we doing here you think the sundance yeah. crowd just like went on their feet when they saw that winky emoji as it cuts to credits and they were like i would have crawled under my seat yeah <laughs> yeah I, it, I, it feels like the again there's many ways this could have been approached but if your aim was to really drive home this sort of helplessness and lack of agency 
wouldn't you have just ended it at the wedding without this sort of posthumous retribution? It kind of undercuts basically everything you're doing. Yeah. Not to mention two women have to die for a man to potentially get arrested. Yeah. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. like, or I mean, not arrested, but like, we don't know what's going to happen to him, but it's just. And the whole film goes into like this whole thing about how um, like the, the criminal justice system is just so flawed, like with it when it comes to, you know, ret- retribution for women because her her friend kills herself and there's like this whole case and all the legal systems completely fail her. And then when she goes on this avenging angel suicide mission, it's like she's, I don't know, somehow forgiven how the legal system works and is is hoping that that will come through for her after her death, even though it's already failed her her best friend. I mean, this is a movie that could just be fundamentally approved by having Carrie Mulligan kill people for for two hours. Um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, it, it opens up with like this weird little bait and switch where. She's brought brought back to Adam Brody's uh, place and he starts to go down on her and she like snaps out of her stupor and she he realizes she's sober and then it cuts to her walking down the street and the camera's tilting up on her and like there's what looks like blood like dripping down her leg and her fingers and I thought oh shit th- things got messy but it's just she's eating like a jelly donut or something um, and then la- yeah later on we find out oh she's not even killing anybody she's just talking to them after they get called out and then she leaves. And that's that's the whole movie. It's it's completely bloodless until the very end where the only violence is inflicted on her. Mm hmm. Yep. That's I mean, that's pretty much I mean, it. To be fair, I was more disturbed by the the jelly just randomly strewn everywhere. I mean, who's going to eat a fucking donut like that? It's just disgusting. Come on. Yeah. Have some that's the pride. most unforgiving part of the whole movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just letting some jelly donuts squirt all over your leg like an absolute monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. And also, like, we should say that, like, the only other people who kind of get hurt are two other women because she has mm-hmm. her her best friend from the school arrows, Allison Bree. She may like confronts her in a restaurant and then makes her roofies her and convinces her that she may have also been raped in a hotel room. And then she goes and sees the dean of the college, uh, Connie Britton, and then like convinces her that her daughter was just picked up by some guys older than her and are currently having her way with her. But then she just quickly reveals those to be to be fake as kind of like, ha ha. Now, you know how it feels. It's called girl power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty unsettling. That was actually one of my least favorite things about this movie. It just doesn't make you feel good. I, the fact that she would do that to these women, I, again, it just undermines everything. It, it takes like what she's doing. Mm-hmm. It takes the any kind of empowerment completely out of it, and it's just a strange decision. Yeah, wouldn't you? Couldn't you very easily just cast at least one of those characters as a man? There's no real purpose to them both being portrayed by women. Yeah, well, there's also the attorney uh, played by Alfred Molina, which this was also like just one Mm. of the least credible scenes for me is where she goes to his house and I think she brings like some muscle with her to rough him up. But like as soon as she walks in, he just is like overwhelmed with like the guilt of the the case not going her way. And he's like just this sobbing, apologetic mess. And she just forgives him on the spot, which is like just such contrived bullshit to me. I'm sorry that like mm-hmm. that that whole bit made me angry that that a she would forgive oh. him that quickly and b that he would uh, him a lawyer would just break down crying that that happened. Mm-hmm. And and the the thing that drove me nuts with that too is you got to remember like every single character 
in this movie is just a caricature. Okay. Yeah. So if you look at the men that, that she, um, you know, uh, gives a stern talking to, uh, there's a guy in a fedora. There's, um, a, a, a the McLovin guy plays a, a dude who does, does cocaine and talks about David Foster Wallace. Like, haha, these are just like caricatures, like memes almost of, of like shitty dudes that you would see on like Twitter or Instagram. And then when you get to Alfred Molina, He's super apologetic. And, and then, like you said, she's like, oh, OK, yeah, whatever. I forgive you. It's fine. And then she doesn't utilize the fact that this like world class sleazebag lawyer who has suddenly turned a new leaf and is deeply invested in, in writing the wrongs that he's perpetrated. He she doesn't she doesn't use that at all. Like <laughs> that. That's where I figured they were going with it. It's just like, oh, so now she's going to partner with the lawyer and then they're going to fuck over these guys. No, none of that. It's just her whole plan all along was just like kamikaze mission, I guess, and call the cops, even though this is a movie about like how violence against women is bad, ostensibly in, in this universe. And also. Uh, you know, the cops have failed her. And you know what? The cops do suck. And violence against women is bad. So why are these the two things that you fucking foreground, you moron? Like, why? why? I don't understand. Yeah, you wonder that it's a, a thesis that can carry a movie, especially as structured with so many optical issues of, of you know, portraying kind of the most mean-spirited, grisly acts towards exclusively the female characters. But I, I again, I, I just don't get what the fucking point is date rape is bad yes of fucking course it is but say something else please just do something that that's got to be what like i'm i'm guessing most of the people that see this movie graft onto is that they don't they it, it just it doesn't say anything it just kind of espouses its themes at you and then people just kind of say, yeah, you know what? Men can be shitty and date rape is bad. And they see it as a good movie. And then they they champion it as this like the supreme feminist text of the year. And and it's I'm like, I'm like, look in the deeper implications of every single thing that happens. You can't just say that this happens and it's bad and and all is good because yeah. you support the movie. It's it's just it, it's it's like the text message is sums up. It's just so it's a completely empty and hollow gesture. Yep. And that's it, man. That's just it. It's like a good movie is not made when you point at things that I agree with. That's just, you yeah. know. Yeah. But what if you frame it's, it perfectly center shot, you know, then, then oh, you're yeah, on to something. That, you've, yeah. You've oh, Christ, made a Christ pose. Yeah. That's she has the Christ pose. There's the like the the like the Hail Mary frame is behind oh, her yeah. when she gets the phone mm -hmm. and all, all all that. It's just very like oh. blunt. We love our Catholic iconography, folks. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's 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 just again, it's like everything is so sur surface level, blunt and obvious. And I've, I haven't seen a movie in a long time with less to say in a less interesting way, I guess. And maybe I am being a little bit too hard on it. I just, I, I think when you combine the fact that I did not connect with it at all, um, and I, I think it's it's deeply flawed and just not fun, just like grisly and unpleasant. Um, and then also the fact that 
everyone's like yay and that that just pushes me over the edge it just breaks my brain i can't i can't handle it yeah that's that's what i'm i'm with you on that like i i feel like the the biggest problem with this movie is that it decided at some point it was an important text like this feels like something that could have been a fun uh, rape revenge b movie with something to say if it didn't foreground that's something It, it it just at some point it decided that it was an important film and then Twitter decided mm-hmm. that it was right in that belief. And it became something it fundamentally does not have the chops to, to pull off. No. And this isn't some scrappy indie movie either. Like, I, I think it was, I feel like it was positioned as this, you know, this independent darling, like, oh, out of nowhere, we're being <laughs> whisked away by the indie majesty of promising young woman. It's like, fuck no. This was written by an established actress. It, it worked within the studio system. And if you look at like headlines for it, too, it's just like the movie we never thought they would make. Are, are you fucking kidding me? Studios have been probably just like tripping all over themselves to be the first studio to release like the official Me Too film. And, and here it is, just like trotting it out. And I, I feel like we deserve much, much better. We do. <laughs> we really do. <sighs> yeah, there's so many holes to this like story, too. And it's so weird to me because she obviously we've talked about how she doesn't do any violence or anything. But this is like in this one town. And how many times has she done this? And like she just keeps doing it. And men keep falling for this. It's it's a strange thing. And she's. Yeah. I don't know. Like. I feel like that would have gotten out somehow. Like there's this, you know, woman that like, I don't know how many spots in this town she's covered or how many men she's done this with, but. Yeah. And we see her, her little notebook where she tallies off every night and in one of these quote unquote incidents occurs. And they're like, there mm-hmm. must be hundreds of right. like, there's just pages filled of tally marks um, that, that are in there. And, uh, but like, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like how many, <laughs> how, like all these guys just keep falling in this quiet little town. It's not like this is set in LA or anything. I, I don't know mm. where this is set, honestly, I, but yeah, it reads like some fucking like Northeast Ivy league city or something, which I is another issue I have with the film, frankly, is, is that it really hand waves at, at having anything to say about class, but, but does not, uh, it, it, Every character in the film is intensely privileged, essentially. And uh, mm-hmm. I, it's just an odd choice. Why is our main character have to... Why do they have to be special? You know, they, they come from this vast wealth. They're the top of their class. They're the best at everything. It's like, shut the fuck because up. Because the movie was written by a rich person. <laughs> and that's basically <laughs> yeah. all they know. How about we make this about a, a normal person who strove hard to, to achieve something and it was taken from them by these fucking entitled assholes who, who ruined her friend's life and her own. And instead, we have, again, the exceptional people. Mm. Yeah, and, and things like that, too. They're all teed up, man. Like, they're, it's, it's right there. And then the movie just kind of swings and big, big whiff. Um, there's a lot of directions that you could go with this that they simply, uh, they choose not to. And, you know, we would be remiss too if if we didn't talk about what this ending is because the ending of the film, because it, it, it starts with this grisly, like suffocation of, of Carrie Mulligan's character. And then, uh, because the movie is obsessed with this kind of music video aesthetic and creating, I guess the only way I can describe it is like creating trailer moments, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, it bombards us constantly with pop music and then it's just like ooh we're playing this song which is fun but then guess what the scene isn't fun <laughs> and we get this again where and this and this is how the movie confuses itself too cuz it pitches itself as darkly comedic um but what it is is it's just like you just get tonal dissonance and through that incoherence, it, you just laugh at it. You're not laughing with it, okay? This is mm-hmm. like when you when you take your your DVD copy of the room and you flip it over on the back, and the one poll quote is is like a dark comedy from Tommy Wiseau. It's like no, 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 no. He didn't know it was funny. Uh, this movie it, it thinks it's funny. It's not. We're laughing at it. And so when they burn her body, the the guys who the guy who suffocates her and his and his bro, they they take her out in the woods and they like make a funeral pyre and burn her to hide the body. There just like a pop song starts playing, and then like we see her hand reaching out, and it's like, what is the tone of this? What am I supposed to think or feel? Am I supposed to be sad? I don't think I should be laughing, but I feel an overwhelming urge to. I just, it's so fucked up to deal, to like position yourself as dealing with serious shit. And then that's the direction you choose to go. It's madness. I was just going to mention the structure. I know that was an obvious transition point, but maybe uh, not just yet. Because that that's another crazy issue to me is it's so tied up in this stupid fucking tally list structure like oh we're gonna we're gonna make this obvious act structure nonsense but it's what it conveys is that she has a list of five people who she can fucking get retribution on to make make right for her friend's uh rape and suicide and uh what does that mean this is obviously a hugely systemic problem that she is dealing with. And and what use is this one administrator? Get, get, get your revenge on this one administrator. Why? What about all the other administrators? It's just, by structuring it as this sort of list of five people, it's not fucking kill Bill, guys. It, it, it's, it's not. <laughs> There's no five people who've wronged her in this situation. It, it's just insane to me. Yeah, so I want to go back on on what uh, what Steve said um, because you mentioned that like just a lot of the a lot of the film is kind of shot for like just trailer made moments and like the mm-hmm. like one thing people are praising especially is like the uh, the cello cover of Britney Spears is toxic <laughs> which is also in the trailer <laughs> uh. <laughs> but people are also like praising the the aesthetics of the film itself namely this like kind of like very spring palette pop visual thing that it's going on which first of all a that's it's barely present in the film maybe it like stands out in a handful of shots but also like if the film itself is tailor-made for like making a trailer out of all these like composed shots the film reviews are tailor-made to respond to it with things like oh this is a candy colored delight but it's actually poisonous if you bite into it go see this film immediately it's a dark and bitter comedy and i'm just i I, again i was like like this is just so it's just a dumb thing that that just kept popping up every time somebody would praise this movie is that it's just this like candy coated like pitch black masterpiece and i'm like no no it's not at all anyone laugh at this movie i i didn't even realize i was supposed to i I, yeah it's not a funny film no no i didn't laugh at any of the jokes i I, again like i laughed at parts (laughs) where i don't think that was the intended effect but uh yeah i don't (laughs) and it was more like that groan laugh thing you do you're just like ah yeah (laughs) yeah i don't think it knew what it wanted to be honestly 
Mm-hmm. It just put out so many different in so many different directions. And it, it had this, you know, obviously what it thought was um, empowering message, but just the tonal changes and all these dis- narrative decisions. It's just it, I don't know. It, it's so funny because I have so much to say about this movie. And yet when I want to talk about it, I have nothing to say it's, because it's, it just <laughs> makes me yeah. like, I don't want to recede inside myself or something. But, yeah, it's just not. A good movie going experience but is it not empowering though when a woman takes a a tire iron to a guy's car and he inexplicably sits there for 45 seconds to let his truck get abused before driving every time i've done it you know they just sat there patiently wait for you to finish make sure you get the other side too (laughs) well yeah you missed a spot i was i was yas queening so hard during that scene (laughs) that i fell off my couch and gave myself a concussion Why did that scene exist? Shouldn't that have been like levied towards someone who had something to do with the fucking plot of the film instead of just a guy who is upset because she like passed out in the middle of the fucking road? Yeah, it sounds like he was doing her a favor. Yeah. You can't just fall asleep yeah. in the middle of the road. That's not good. I mean, he could have called the cops. and That's the ethos of this film, right? Right. I don't know. She loves cops, apparently. Yeah. That's <laughs> she can't get enough of them. Can't wait to send them evidence and call them to arrest people. I mean, yeah, that's the director. That's the best part, man. <laughs> Emerald Fennell. I mean, we mentioned that like she has this aversion to on-screen violence, but apparently she consulted with a cop about how long it would take to smother somebody under a pillow, and it's like her Cassie's murder is shot in just one unbroken take that is like two and a half minutes long, and she just struggles under complete silence into the darkness of the the sheets. It's yeah, it's just that's it's dude. That's like a metaphor for the whole movie, right? <laughs> it's like she talks to wow. a cop and asks him and, and asks a cop how to murder someone, but she uses it to like create a violent scene against a woman victim in her movie. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it, it says more about society that uh, a policeman is considered an expert on on suffocation than than the film actually says about society. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that 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 interview is more interesting than anything in the movie. <laughs> holy shit oh my god but yeah i i agree with you christy like 100 percent. this movie doesn't know what it wants to be or it, it thinks it knows what it wants to be but like everything that it's showing us and telling us and doing is antithetical to that mm-hmm. uh, so it comes off as very confused plus this is some real like rough draft bullshit too i mean whoever edited this together i guess they should get like a gold medal or something for um working with something this kind of messy and disjointed and and turning it to something semi-coherent but it's just it's it's a fucking mess i i would say do not bother with this if you've gotten through award season you have not watched this do not watch this shit you can do so much better you're better listener and if you're listening i know you know you're better so don't do it don't do it you deserve more you deserve more thank you thank you all right well you might be saying, uh, podcast hosts, if I can't watch Promising Young Woman, whatever will I watch? I need neoliberal girl boss feminism in the year of our Lord 2021. Wherever do I get it from? And to you, I say, you need to embrace me, you, madness. Uh, a film <laughs> written, directed, and starring Louise Linton. And if you don't know who that is, it's Steve Mnuchin's wife. And if you don't know who he is, uh, Google him. Uh, he's a, a, a ghoulish man, a gazillionaire uh, from the Trump cabinet and a film producer and a disgusting slug of a human being. And all the salt in the world can't make him dissolve. 
Uh, so wouldn't you believe that uh, Louise Linton, I, I think what she did here, and Chrissy, you t- tell me if I'm on the wrong path, because I'm pretty sure this is what this movie is. She saw American Psycho and thought, damn, that's cool. Took every like wrong possible interpretation and message from that and then kind of did a, a gender flip girl power version. And it is fucking hilarious. It, you want to talk about like tone deaf, okay? This is where tone deaf goes so far around and up its own ass that it becomes a transcendent form of art, the likes of which you have never seen. Chrissy, why is this the best movie ever made? <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, no, I think that you accurately described that. Um, maybe not best movie ever made, but it is just, it was, it definitely took me, like, it took me back. I did not expect this movie to be what it was. <laughs> the best way to say it. But in, in a good way, it was a lot of fun and it was just completely bonkers. But I think she absolutely watched American Psycho and was like, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to take that up a hundred notches up um, and just have a blast with it, which, which it was. It was a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Not like the last movie we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird too because these these two movies they make uh, like very similar mistakes throughout mm-hmm. their runtimes. But the difference here with Me You Madness is it, it just takes it to such an extreme degree that it it, it just fucking works for me. Yeah, and it just it, it, you can't look away from this movie at all. And if you do, you'll miss Ed Westwick dancing. <laughs> Seems like every time I looked away, you started dancing. So <laughs> he's got some fancy feet in that uh, in those boots. He's he does. His. Um, but yeah, it's funny how like this movie just completely ends up just winning me over. Like by the end of Promising Young Woman, I just was done with it and wanted nothing to do with it. And of course, here I am four months after watching it, doing a podcast. But like this, it's like it's just so weirdly. I don't want to say abrasive, but it just like. I'd, I'd say abrasive. Sorry, abrasive I would say is the abrasive. word you're looking for. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Okay, it is abrasive. abrasive. It just, but it's like loud and expressive, and I, but like it just starts doing this like goofy Looney Tune shit in the third act, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. This is fun. I'm having a good time. I, when you say goofy Looney Tune shit, you're not exaggerating. Like there's actual oh, no. like sound effects, like just like real, real impressive foley work here. Just. I don't know, like, ooga, like just crazy <laughs> shit like that. Wow. And like 10 minutes of the film is like a fucking duck season, rabbit season joke. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And uh, also, so it's kind of like Looney Tunes, but then also they, they they break into dance. So it's a little bit of like Footloose going on. Um, uh, uh, it's impressive in the directions that it goes in and the way that it commits to things. I mean, I'm trying to think of other movies that I've seen in the last like five, ten years that ever even get on the same wavelength as this. The only thing that's coming to mind is The Greasy Strangler, which is another movie that kind of assaults you abrasively with gags and then just like beats them into you to the point where you're like, this isn't funny, this isn't fun. And then it just becomes funny. It's hard, though, because this isn't a grimy movie. It's very slick. And it has a little bit of like mid-budget cheapness to it. Mm -hmm. And the best part for me is this is made by a gazillionaire who's married to Steve Mnuchin and is completely out of touch with reality. So the entire time, I think she thinks that her character is sympathetic, but she's not at all. And it's amazing. (laughs) So again, where, where something like this, where the movie is saying one thing 
it, it thinks it's one thing, but it's saying and showing us something completely different. That totally fucks up Promising Young Woman. But here, it, it, it just elevates everything. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> well, this is a movie that doesn't have any, like, pretense of importance. That's for certain. <laughs> Absolutely not, no. <laughs> well, and, I mean, I, I said, is it the best movie ever? But I feel like we're in the minority because... Uh, I, I noticed this has a seven meta score, which is uniquely low. I don't know what the tomato meter is, but I do 25. feel like we're in the minority. Yeah, there, that, there you go. That's about right. Uh, so, yeah, 25 percent of film critics are good. Um, I, I, I was looking at the Me You Madness official Twitter account earlier, and they were like retweeting positive reviews of the movie. And... It was incredible because like almost every single one was from an outlet I've never heard of before. And all, all of the, uh, like the, the positive things they said about it, it was just edited together because pretty much people who like this movie critics, uh, they're all like, I, I don't know what the fuck this is. This is fucking insane, but I love it. Like that, that's pretty much the best reaction that you can have to this movie. I think I messaged Jake when I was watching it and I said, what the fuck am I watching right now? <laughs> like <laughs> half hour into it. <laughs> Yeah. But it was awesome. Yeah. It, it just like and she's up front about how just awful she is. She's got this uh, Norman um, uh, Patrick Bateman. I almost said Norman Bates. Norman Patrick <laughs> Bateman voiceover where she's just, just completely describes herself as this like this vain narcissistic like girl boss bitch of a woman. And but like just just by leaning into it for the whole 90 minutes that this runs, it just I, it just worked for me. I, I was kind of amazed. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of impressive to manage to essentially acknowledge your trying to make American Psycho, except from a female perspective. And I don't mean acknowledge it like in an interview or something. I'm talking about this is dialogue in the film, mm -hmm. but manage to make it not about society at all. And to <laughs> also take like what is distinctive about American Psycho, which in a lot of respects is... Uh, Brett Easton Ellis's like elaborate descriptions of like pop artifacts that are inserted into both the novel and the film and to distill it to uh, just listing <laughs> a list of movie titles that goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> Yeah, just subverting it into a droning listicle instead of like any actual content. I, I mean, maybe that that does say something about how society's evolved. Maybe we're not giving this film enough credit for for its actual deep message about the modern society and its vapid nature. I don't even know if it has a message because I think it's just no, autobiographical. It, doesn't, Steve. it does not have a fucking message. Let me clear that up for you. How is this not about Steve Mnuchin and Louise Linton's actual lives? Like, you, you can't tell me they don't chop up bodies and just keep them in their giant weird mansion with white furniture. Now, I'm, I'm trying to look online. Did Mnuchin actually, like, have anything to do with this movie? No. He wasn't listed as a producer at all. That's, He's not yeah. a producer, but I'm sure he had some sort of guiding hand here. He had, I, I, yeah, I mean, he probably put some money behind it, but uh, he is yeah. not listed as a producer, which is a bit of a tell. Uh, when a guy who has, you know, made his mark in Hollywood by being a film producer and his wife is uh, doing this vanity project, he's just like, have fun, honey. I'm going to be over here not paying attention to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I wish there's more Mnuchin in here because maybe he could have had some creative input with his like satanic lizard brain uh, <laughs> that would have added even more. Because holy shit. And also, 
you know, promising young woman again, like people in the positive reviews of this film, people are like, oh, the composition and the beautiful color palette and oh, God, oh. You want to fucking look at this thing, man. It's a neon nightmare. It's great. All they did was they, they rented the stupidest mansion in Malibu that they could possibly find. And then it's either in that mansion or then like, or, or they just switch to some weird soundstage that's just blasted to shit with neon lights like a rap video. It's incredible. I refuse to believe it's, that's even a mansion. It's it, it looks like a fucking science lab or something. Yeah, it's like a satellite <laughs> property for some kind of Apple or tech company that's that works in the hills or something. It's uh, it's it's something for sure. It's just garish. The whole thing is garish and abrasive, uh, but it's it's doing something. You might say like this doesn't. I I assume they spent. I, I it's hard to say. I guess because it doesn't look good i mean it does have a lot of like no. uh corners cuts and it's it's very amateurishly edited and uh yeah but at best it, uh, yeah obviously there is money behind it because they seemingly licensed approximately uh 700 popular songs for the film so i i can't imagine how much that would cost oh yeah if you thought that was a whole budget promising young woman had uh, a pop soundtrack this thing has like not only are there so many hit songs but like a lot of them are played in full like the opening credits are run over new orders blue monday while she's driving in james bond's car and she name checks it as such it's crazy I feel like there's yeah. got to be like a special rate for fucking Steve Mnuchin's wife to license these things too. New Order's like uh, triple the usual rate to use our fucking song. <laughs> for this there's like, how many zeros do you want on this check? And, and that's that's it. Uh, yeah, and it's it's funny too because there's only, I mean, what is there like four speaking roles in the whole movie? There's not a there's not a lot of people to pay here, and so yeah, I guess like the and. I would also like to think that the property probably belongs to Steve Mnuchin. It's probably where he chops up bodies and those are the real bodies in his chest freezer that he's got. So yeah, I think pretty much the whole budget went to James Bond's car and mm -hmm. every single pop song written in the last like 30 to 40 years. Uh, because yeah, these aren't 15 second clips. We're, there's at least a half dozen dance sequences, possibly more. <laughs> this is, it's not a fucking yeah. drill, man. This is real shit. Who could even say about the car? I mean, they might own that fucking car. These people are uh, made of money. Oh, there's a lot of cars when the whole showdown is in yeah. the garage, like this neon <laughs> nightmare garage that they do a dance battle with in. random sports memorabilia too. Yeah, just thrown in, <laughs> like on a tiny little shelf at the very front. <laughs> so tiny. That's got to be Mnuchin's memorabilia, right? It's got to be his shit. Yeah, yeah that's got to be I, his stuff. I think they're just showing off what they. Have. <laughs> hey, I didn't know you like sports and just three footballs in the garage that are signed. <laughs> I don't. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, too. It's like there's all these points where I don't know, like you want to laugh because it seems like they're kind of mocking how ridiculous and opulent shitty rich people are. But she's a shitty rich person. And I and I get the feeling that she thinks the joke is something else entirely. Like she doesn't know what we're laughing at. But it's OK because she's so committed to the bit and everything about her character, too, is so fucking weird. Like, I can't figure out if she's doing an accent or not. And at first it bothered me, but then I'm like, no, this this is the character. This is who she is. 
rich people probably come up with their own accents all the time. This is this is what they're they do in their fucking psycho meetings. But yeah, I, I just I couldn't help but think that the whole thing is completely autobiographical. Like if if you if you gave me an hour in a room with Louise Lynn, you you telling me she wouldn't try and murder me and eat me? Louise Lynn is Scottish, for what it's worth. So I don't know. She was okay. born but in. She sounded Edinburgh. British, like twenty yeah. percent of it. <laughs> I don't know what kind of accent she was trying to do, or if she was trying to bury her original one. To uh, I think that I think the latter. Yeah, I, I yeah. could feel the Scottish kind of like bleeding through this like attempt at American. I, I feel yeah. like it was a repressed yeah. Scottish accent, uh, just trying to do generic American, which might be mm-hmm. how she speaks every day. Who's to say? That's yeah. That's Who's true. To say? Um. Well, and hey, you know what? You you want to talk about uh, feminism in a film? Is there anything more feminist than not one but two fart jokes coming <laughs> from a woman's butt? Because I, I I think we've done it, folks. We've we've the, the patriarchy is crumbling under the uh, power of uh, Louise Linton's flatulent butt cheeks. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Shaking the foundation of the patriarchy. <laughs> But really, like, that's that's what this movie is, is it's just like it's that fucking stupid. But anyone who says they were not entertained by this is an absolute stick in the mud and is lying to themselves. Okay, so unshackle yourself from the chains of prestige cinema and embrace the Louise Linton, Steve Mnuchin, uh, girl boss fart movie. Okay, this is the future. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe oversold it a bit. <laughs> we should also tell people that she feeds. Um, there's also some oh, yeah. <laughs> feeding of people. Unlike yeah, yeah. Cassie oh, sure. from Promising Young Woman, she's actually murdering people in this movie and is storing them in her freezer. Dismembering, cooking. <laughs> yeah, and she doesn't discriminate about who she kills either. So it's just if you're rude to her, basically you're done for. I love it when she's listing when they're going back and forth. This one, this one, what'd he do? <laughs> what'd this one do? Yeah. It just keeps going on and on. Pedophile, Republican, Democrat, Independent. <laughs> and when she says Republican, Ed's face is hilarious. They, like, they do like a, yeah, they have like a little knowing pause, like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Also, much like Promising Young Woman, this, this movie is, uh, it's extremely online, uh, but again, in a weird fucked up way that makes it uh, just funny and stupid and somehow endearing. So in Promising Young Woman, they're like, okay, what's every internet stereotype of a shitty guy that we've all heard 10,000 times before insert into movie? And here, Louise Linton was just like, Steve, honey, um, on Instagram, wh- what's everybody like on Instagram? I need, I need, what are... <laughs> Uh, honey, everyone is everyone's a, a, a bisexual person who talks about their uh, mental instability. So just that, okay, that's my character. That's like that's the, she just like it just frames herself as like that. Those are her two characteristics. I am bisexual and I am a rich psycho, and that's it. That's all she does here. So great job, thanks, Louise. So I I guess if uh, if promising young woman is is Twitter's girl boss movie, then. Media Madness is parlors, right? That's that's the answer. <laughs> that, this is it. This is it. Yeah. This is the parlor girl boss. This is Tommy Loren Bloodlust the movie. <laughs> Although, you know what? Louise Linton can dance. I've I've never met a Republican that can dance. So uh I, I don't know. We'd have to work through that. But uh fuck. I don't know, man. This is just it's it's something. Okay. Again. You, you might not love this, but do not dismiss it because there's a lot more going on underneath the hood than with Promising Young Woman. So 
I don't know. I, I, and Chrissy, we're, we're not crazy, are we? Are we, <laughs> we haven't been overcome by the madness. No, um, it's, it's absolutely absurd, but it's in a, in a good way. <laughs> um, it's, it's so bad. It's good sort of thing. But I, I think it also probably feels like even better because you're comparing it to promising young woman. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, well, that was like soul sucking. This was like, uh, just like a high energy, just absurd injection of fun if that makes any sense yeah um so yeah i i do think and it's something that as the movie got on i just i loved it even more and there's so many gags and it's just some of them go on for so long like there's what is it the final sequence that goes on for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes and of like them potentially fighting or uh is she going to kill him and then they're just like talking they pause for water It's just so absurd, but it's awesome. There's a bit where she knocks him out and then he wakes up and like she hits him with a tennis racket and then he wakes up and she's got this dress on and he's like, you changed outfits? Costume change. And she says, yes. you've been out cold for ages. I got bored. <laughs> just it's sort of like it's it's almost like a, a Zaz comedy where it kind yeah. of acknowledges the madness, the me, you madness. The me, you madness. It. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a costume change in this movie for every scene. Oh, yeah. There is. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say that this movie shouldn't exist and it's, it's a monstrous blight and it, it's just kind of a, shows us the wastes of capitalism. But I suppose what would I rather that Luis Linton and Steve Mnuchin spend their money on? Because it's probably something that's going to bring a lot more uh, evil into the world than, than this film, certainly. So on that front, it's success, I, I guess. Uh, Congratulations on wasting like fifty million dollars to licensed music for your fucking Friedberg and Seltzer fucking American Psycho movie. <laughs> Good job. I mean, yeah, if, if you consider the alternative is like they they could have spent all that money, that fifty million dollars to like fund a super PAC to like lobby uh, you know, like bombing Yemen or something. Maybe that <laughs> does make this feminist. I don't know. Like <laughs> But I, I think I think ultimately, like Christy nailed it, where promising young woman is soul sucking, and me you madness uh, as the flip side of that is like soul fucking. It's just <laughs> it's it's a totally different experience. With that, I'll put. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That's it. also you know me you madness. I know you're you're like you don't have a lot of good like poll quotes for like the DVD release or whatever. So if you want to use that one, you could you can have it. <laughs> Manucci better pay me though. All right, we better wrap things up. So uh, we got to do our putovers. And I'm going to start because I'm afraid that someone else is going to pick this one if I don't get to it first. Uh, for real, if, if you want to watch a, a, a great revenge movie from the last few years, uh, there's actually a movie called Revenge. It came out in 2017. It's, uh, it's violent. It'll give you that catharsis. Um, it's certainly more empowering for women um, and, and a more interesting story than either of the uh, neoliberal nightmares that we uh, watch today. So, yeah, I I mean, is it an explicitly feminist text? Probably not. I don't know. Uh, But you know what? It's a hell of a lot better, and it's a great movie. And, uh, you know, maybe in 2017 it should have gotten an Oscar nod, apparently. But it has a fully nude man who's, like, covered head to toe in blood during the end sequence. So uh, Mm -hmm. that might have disqualified it. You can have blood or dong. You can't have both. It's an inadequate emoji usage in the finale. Disqualified. That's true. Yeah, no, no emojis or uh, or dance sequences, unfortunately. All right, uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week? 
Oh gosh, I don't know if I've recommended this before, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend a, a, an actual dark comedy. Uh, just released on Blu-ray is uh Bill Murray's Quick Change, uh, the only film he ever directed or co-directed. Uh, he stars as a uh, bank robber with uh, Randy Quaid and Gina Davis. And the opening 20 minutes is him robbing this bank while dressed in full clown regalia. And uh, it's really, really good and really funny. Uh, It's also uh, basically at this point, it's like just a hidden gem in the Bill Murray filmography. Like most people, when they pick their favorites, they go to Ghostbusters or whatever. But I think this is one of his best films that nobody talks about. So uh, it's now got its due on home media. So check out Quick Change uh, with Bill Murray. I'm going to second that one. That was like my favorite Bill Murray movie when I was 12 years old. And everybody laughed at me because I didn't like Ghostbusters as much as I like Quick Change. But uh, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's coming back around. Yeah. That's right. It, it all has the haters. One of the funniest line readings is where he puts all of the, uh, the bank patrons in the vault and he starts releasing them out one by one. And like this asshole manager says, well, uh, it's my turn to go next. And then Bill Murray just points a gun at him and says, it really isn't your decision, Mr. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> it was like the funniest line reading of that. <laughs> uh. All right, Miles, what are you putting over this week? Uh, you know, I thought about revenge myself, but I, I think I'm going to stick with, with my good friends at Bloomhouse because I like to watch a horror movie that is actually fun. Uh, so there's a female-driven uh, horror comedy, genre-bending sort of film in, in, a, in a similar vein to what Promising Young Woman promised. Uh, called Happy Death Day. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of a Groundhog Day sort of thing. I think we've probably talked about either it or its sequel at some point during the course of this podcast. But uh, sure, watch that. Have a good time instead of uh, trying to pretend you're watching something important. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, Christy, what are you putting over this week? Well, I was going to put over Revenge, but Aha! I won't now. <laughs> um, no, that was just a movie I loved. I reviewed that when it came out, and so it obviously popped up. So now that it's, I'm put on the spot to pick something else, this has absolutely nothing to do with the subject. But just because we lost Olympia Dukakis last night, I'm going to say rewatch Moonstruck and don't watch um, Wild Mountain Time. Just as like a double wreck to do something and not to do something. That works. I Very like nice. that. And I like the second for Revenge, too. Uh, sorry, I, I stole your thunder there, but you know, actually that I'm not sorry. That's what I, I said. I was going to go first so I could say it. So yeah, I shouldn't apologize. Yeah, that was the intent. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to just quickly jump back in and throw out another revenge movie. Uh, check out the Nightingale by Jennifer Kent. It's a very dark and potent movie. Everything that promising yeah. young woman is not. There you go. Lots of options here. See, we don't just tear things down. We build you back up with a stronger foundation. That's the promise here. Uh, all right. Uh, Christy, if people want to find more of your work or, uh, you know, bother you on Twitter or something, where would they find you? Well, you can uh, find our site at Film Inquiry, and mine is at Strauss, S-T-R-O-U-S-E, underscore Christy, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Fantastic. All right. And uh, you know what? If you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a big favor. If you check out the description of this podcast, there's two links in there. One will take you to our iTunes page. Do us a big favor. Give us a five-star written review. That'll help us out with algorithms and other stuff that I've been told is important. Uh, you could also head over to our Patreon page and uh, you can throw us a couple bucks. And if you do that, well, 
You get access to a bunch of exclusive Optimism Vaccine content, uh, both written and in podcast form. And also, I'm going to like literally mail you a, a movie from my collection. Might be a DVD, might be a Blu-ray, might be a box set, a Laserdisc. You don't know what you're getting. You have no clue. Could be just like a flash drive with some weird shit on it. Here's a work print, a Halloween 6. Go fucking watch that. That's something that could happen to you. You don't know. Uh, but, you know, there's there's different tiers. $3 will get you in. That'll get you access to everything. $5 tier, you can have your name read out on the air. You could be. You could be the next Paula. You could be the next Ryan. You could be the next Dustin. Get your name read on this podcast. That's exciting. And you'll have a chance to vote on future content. Uh, make recommendations for us. Also, if you want to really tell us what to do, you can give us even more money. And if you go in our highest tier, you can actually uh, dictate an episode, a whole episode. You can tell us what to do. Um, and uh, hopefully you pick something that isn't shitty, because last time we listened to a, a listener, we had to watch the Crocodile Dundee movies, and boy howdy, that was a crock of shit. So, uh, yeah, a lot of options there. Just give us money if you got it. It'd be great. Podcasting is expensive. Um, other than that, you can email us as well, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Adam Myros is uh, standing by, just just hitting that refresh button endlessly. That's all he does all day, every day. You could also find us on Twitter, at optimismvaccine, and uh, tweet at us. Death threats, marriage proposals, movie suggestions, whatever you got. I think that pretty much wraps everything up. So, uh, Jake, last word is yours. There are no spiders in Antarctica. <laughs> then you eat the spider. 